So we begin week 13 as we continue through our Bible in a year chronologically. Um, the last few days have been pretty straightforward as we've looked through the end of the story of Joshua. And today we come to the end of the book of Joshua and begin into Judges. We read today's a little bit chop and changey as we get into Judges, just a, a few different verses and jumps about. But we read from Joshua 23, verse 1. And again, if you have any questions or anything, just uh, get in touch with me. A long time after the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua was old, getting on in years. So Joshua summoned all Israel, including its elders, leaders, judges and officers, and said to them, I am old, getting on in years, and you have seen for yourselves everything the Lord your God did to all these nations on your account, because it was the Lord your God who was fighting for you. See, I have allotted these remaining nations to you as an inheritance for your tribes, including all the nations I have destroyed, from the Jordan westward to the Mediterranean Sea. The Lord your God will force them back on your account and drive them out before you, so that you can take possession of their land, as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you do not turn from it to the right or left, and so that you do not associate with these nations remaining among you. Do not call on the names of their gods or make an oath to them. Do not worship them or bow down to them. Instead, remain faithful to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you, and no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One of you routed a a thousand because the Lord your God was fighting for you, as he promised. So be very diligent to love the Lord your God for your own well-being. For if you turn away and cling to the rest of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry or associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. They will become a snare and a trap for you, a scourge for your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you disappear from this good land the Lord your God has given you. I am now going the way of all the earth, And you know with all your heart and with all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Since every good thing the Lord your God promised you has come about, so he will bring on you every bad thing until he has annihilated you from this good land the Lord your God has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and worship other gods and bow down to them, O Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly disappear from this good land he has given you. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and summoned Israel's leaders, elders, judges, and officers, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the region beyond the Euphrates River, led him throughout the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave the hill country of Seir to Esau as a possession, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt by what I did there, and afterwards I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you reached the Red Sea, The Egyptian pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. Your fathers cried out to the Lord, so he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own eyes saw what I did to Egypt, 
After that you lived in the wilderness a long time. Later I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan. They fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land, and I annihilated them before you. Balak, son of Zephor, son of king of Moab, sent out, set out to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, he repeatedly blessed you, and I delivered you from his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The people of Jericho, as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, fought against you, but I handed them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you, and it drove out the two Amorite kings before you. It was not by your sword or bow. I gave you a land you did not labour for, and cities you did not build, though you live in them. You are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Therefore fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship. The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. The people replied, We will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us along the way we went and among all the people whose land we travelled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord because he is our God. But Joshua told the people, You will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not remove your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. No, the people answered Joshua, we will worship the Lord. Then Joshua told the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship the Lord. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and offer your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people at Shechem and established a statute and ordinance for them. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. He also took a large stone and set it up there, under the oak next to the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, You see this stone, it will be a witness against it, us, for it has heard all the words the Lord said to us, and it will be a witness against you, so that you will not deny your God. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. We go into Judges chapter 2 verses 6 to 7. Joshua sent the people away, and the Israelites went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They have seen all the Lord's great works he had done for Israel. And back into Joshua 29-32. After these things, the Lord's servant Joshua, son of Nun, died at the age of 110. They buried him in his allotted territory at timnath Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime, and during the lifetime of the elders who outlived Joshua, and who had experienced all the works the Lord had done for Israel. Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem, in the parcel of land Jacob had purchased from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, 
for 100 kishitas. It was an inheritance for Joseph's descendants. And then into Judges chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. We go into Judges chapter 1. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, Who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, Come with me to my territory and let us fight against the Canaanites. I will also go with you to your territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and Perizzites over to him. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, fought against him and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai Bezek fled, they pursued him, seized him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. God has repaid me for what I have done. They brought him to Jerusalem and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. Afterwards the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev and the Judean foothills. We go into verse 17 of chapter 1. Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living in Zephath, and completely destroyed the town. So they named the town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza and its territory, Ashkelon and its territory, and Ekron and its territory. The Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country, but they could not drive out the people who were living in the valley, because those people had iron chariots. The house of Joseph also attacked Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent spies to Bethel. The town was formerly named Luz. The spies saw a man coming out of the town and said to him, Please show us how to get into town and we will treat you well. When he showed them the way into the town, they put the town to the sword, but released the man and his entire family. Then the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a town and named it Luz. That is its name to this day. Then into Judges chapter 2, 16-19. The Lord raised up judges who served them from the power of their marauders, but they did not listen to their judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with other gods, bowing down to them. They quickly turned from the way of their fathers who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. They did not do as their fathers did. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for the Israelites, the Lord was with him and saved the people from the power of their enemies while the judge was still alive. The Lord was moved to pity whenever they groaned because of those who were oppressing and afflicting them. Whenever the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their fathers, going after other gods to worship and bow down to them. They did not turn from their evil practices or their obstinate ways. And then chapter 3 verses 5 to 10. But they settled among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. The Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, gave their own daughters to their sons and worshipped their gods. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God and worshipped the Baals and the Asherahs. The Lord's anger burned against Israel and he sold them to Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram of the two rivers, and the Israelites served him eight years. The Israelites cried out to the Lord, so the Lord raised up Othniel son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. The Spirit of the Lord was on him and he judged Israel. 
Othniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed over Cushan Ruthshiam, king of Aram, to him, so that Othniel overpowered him. And there we end day 85 and the first day of week 13. Day 86, beginning at Judges chapter 1, 27, and going through various verses of chapter 2 and 3, and then skipping right to the end, actually, on uh, 17 and 18. So we start at Judges 1, 27 to 36. At that time Manasseh failed to take possession of Beth Sheen and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the residents of Dor and its villages, or the residents of Ibliam and its villages, or the residents of Megiddo and its villages. But the Canaanites refused to leave this land. When Israel became stronger, they made the Canaanites serve as forced labour, but never drove them out completely. At that time Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer, so the Canaanites have lived there among them in Gezer. Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron or the residents of Nahal, so the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labour. Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko or of Sidon or Alab, Axbib, Hebal, Afik or Rehob. The Asherites lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land because they failed to drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh or the residents of Beth Anathah. They lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land, but the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath served as their forced labour. The Amorites forced the Danites into the hill country and did not allow them to go down into the valley. The Amorites refused to leave Herharez, Alejon and Shabim. When the house of Joseph got the upper hand, the Amorites were made to serve as forced labour. The territory of the Amorites extended from the ascent of Akrabim, that is from Selah upward. Then into Judges 2, 10-15. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israelites. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshipped the Baals and abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They were infuriated the Lord, for they had abandoned him and worshipped Baal and the Asheroths. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he handed them over to marauders who raided them. He sold them to the enemies around them so that they could no longer resist their enemies. Whenever the Israelites went out, the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them, so they suffered greatly. In Judges 2, 20-23, the Lord's anger burned against Israel and he declared, Because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their fathers and disobeyed me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel and to see whether they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it, as their fathers had. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. Then into Joshua chapter 3. These are the nations the Lord left in order to test Israel, since none of the Israelites had fought in any of the wars with Canaan. This was to teach the future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. These nations included the five rulers of the Philistines and all of the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived in the Lebanese mountains from Mount Baal Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. The Lord left them to test Israel to determine if they would keep the Lord's commands he had given their fathers through Moses. Then the land was peaceful forty years, 
and Othniel son of Kenaz died. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He gave Eglon king of Moab power over Israel because they had done what was evil in the Lord's sight. After Eglon convinced the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join forces with him, he attacked and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Pams. The Israelites served Eglon king of Moab 18 years. Then we jump into Joshua 24:33, And Eliezer son of Aaron died, and they buried him at Gibeah, which had been given to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. Back into Judges 3. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he raised up Ehud son of Gerah, a left-handed Benjaminite, as a deliverer for them. The Israelites sent him to Eglon, king of Moab, with tribute money. Ehud made himself a double-edged sword eighteen inches long. He strapped it to his right thigh under his clothes and brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was an extremely fat man. When Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he dismissed the people who had carried it. At the carved images near Gilgal, he returned and said, King Eglon, I have a secret message for you. The king called for silence and all his attendants left him. Then Ehud approached him while he was sitting alone in his room upstairs where it was cool. Ehud said, I have a word from God for you. And the king stood up from his throne. Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into Eglon's belly. Even the handle went in after the blade and Eglon's fat closed in over it, so that Ehud did not withdraw the sword from his belly. And Eglon's insides came out. Ehud escaped by way of the porch, closing and locking the doors of the upstairs room behind him. Ehud was gone when Eglon's servants came in. They looked and found the doors of the upstairs room locked and thought he was relieving himself in the cool room. The servants waited until they became worried and saw that he had still not opened the doors of the upstairs room. So they took the key and opened the doors, and there was their lord lying dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while the servants waited. He crossed over the Jordan near the carved images and reached Syria. After he arrived, he sounded the ram's horn throughout the hill country of Ephraim. The Israelites came down with him from the hill country, and he became their leader. He told them, Follow me, because the Lord has handed over your enemies, the Moabites, to you. So they followed him, captured the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. At that time they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all strong and able-bodied men. Not one of them escaped. Moab became subject to Israel that day, and the land was peaceful 80 years. Then we go into Judges 17, verse 1 through to eighteen fifteen. There was a man from the hill country of Ephraim named Micah. He said to his mother, The 1,100 pieces of silver taken from you, and that I heard you utter a curse about, here I have the silver with me. I took it, so now I return it to you. Then his mother said, My son, you are blessed by the Lord. He returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I personally consecrate the silver to the Lord for my son's benefit, to make a carved image overlaid with silver. So he returned the silver to his mother, and she took five pounds of silver and gave it to a silversmith. He made it into a carved image overlaid with silver, and it was in Micah's house. This man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and the household idols, and installed one of his sons to be his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, Everyone did whatever he wanted. There was a young man, a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who resided with the clan of Judah. 
The man left the town of Bethlehem in Judah to settle wherever he could find a place. On his way he came to Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim. Where do you come from? Micah asked him. He answered him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah and I am going to settle wherever I can find a place. Micah replied, Stay with me and be my father and priest and I will give you four ounces of silver a year along with your clothing and provisions. So the Levi went in and agreed to stay with the man and the young man became like one of his sons. Micah consecrated the Levite and the young man became his priest and lived in Micah's house. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be with me, because a Levite has become my priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, and the Danite tribe was looking for territory to occupy. Up to that time no territory had been captured by them among the tribes of Israel. So the Danites sent out five brave men from all their clans, from Zorah and Eshtaol, to spy out the land and explore it. They told them, Go and explore the land. They came to the hill country of Ephraim as far as the home of Micah and spent the night there. While they were near Micah's home, they recognised the speech of the young Levite. So they went over to him and asked, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What is keeping you here? He told them what Micah had done for him and that he had hired him as his priest. Then they said to him, Please inquire of God so we will know if we will have a successful journey. The priest told him, Go in peace, the Lord is watching over the journey you are going on. The five men left and came to Laish. They saw that the people who were there were living securely in the same way as the Sidonians, quiet and unsuspecting. There was nothing lacking in the land and no oppressive ruler. They were far from the Sidonians, having no alliance with anyone. When the men went back to their clans at Zorah and Eshtaol, their people asked them, What did you find out? They answered, Come on, let's go up against them, for we have seen the land and it is very good. Why wait? Don't hesitate to go and invade the possession of the land. When you get there you will come to an unsuspecting people and a wide open land, for God has handed it over to you. It is a place where nothing on earth is lacking. Six hundred Danites departed from Zorah and Eshtaol, armed with weapons of war. They went up and camped at Kiriath Jarim in Judah. This is why the place is called the Camp of Dan to this day. It is west of Kiriath Jarim. From there they travelled to the hill country of Ephraim and arrived at Micah's house. The five men who had gone to spy out the land of Laish told their brothers, Did you know that there are an epod, household gods and a carved image overlaid with silver in these houses? Now think about what you should do. So they detoured there and went to the house of the young Levite at the home of Micah and greeted him. There we end, day 86. We continue on day 87 as we read through Judges 18, 19 and 20. Beginning where we left off at chapter 18 verse 16. The 600 Danite men were standing by the entrance of the gate, armed with their weapons of war. Then the five men who had gone out to spy the land went in and took the carved image, overlaid with silver, the ephod and the household idols, while the priest was standing by the entrance of the gate with the 600 men armed with weapons of war. When they entered Micah's house and took the carved image overlaid with silver, the ephod and the household idols, the priest said to them, What are you doing? They told him, Be quiet, keep your mouth shut. Come with us and be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest for the house of one person or for you to be a priest for a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest was pleased and took his ephod, household idols, and carved image and went with the people. 
they prepared to leave, putting their small children, livestock and possession in front of them. After they were some distance from Micah's house, the men who were in the houses near it mobilised and caught up with the Danites. They called to the Danites who turned to face them and said to Micah, What's the matter with you that you mobilised the men? He said, You took the gods I had made and the priest and went away. What do I have left? How can you say to me, What's the matter with you? The Danites said to him, Don't raise your voice against us, or angry men will attack you and you and your family will lose your lives. The Danites went on their way and Micah turned to go back home because he saw that they were stronger than he was. After they had taken the gods, Micah had made and the priest that belonged to him, they went to Lahish, to a quiet and unsuspecting people. They killed them with their swords and burned down the city. There was no one to save them, because it was far from Sidon, and they had no alliance with anyone. It was in a valley that belonged to Beth-Rehob. They rebuilt the city and lived in it. They named the city after Dan, after the name of their ancestor Dan, who was born to Israel. The city was formerly named Laish. The Danites set up the carved image for themselves. Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests for the Danite tribe until the time of the exile from the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image that he had made, and it was there as long as the house of God was in Shiloh. In those days when there was no king in Israel, a Levite living in a remote part of the hill country of Ephraim required a, acquired a woman from Bethlehem in Judah as his concubine. But she was unfaithful to him and left him for her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah. She was there for a period of four months. Then her husband got up and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. His servant and a couple of donkeys were with him. So she brought him to her father's house and when the girl's father saw him, he gladly welcomed him. His father-in-law, the girl's father, detained him and he stayed with him for three days. They ate, drank and spent the nights there. On the fourth day they got up early in the morning and prepared to go, but the girl's father said to his son-in-law, Have something to eat to keep up your strength and then you can go. So they sat down and the two of them ate and drank together. Then the girl's father said to the man, Please agree to stay overnight and enjoy yourself. The man got up to go, but his father-in-law persuaded him, so he stayed and spent the night there again. He got up early in the morning of the fifth day to leave, but the girl's father said to him, Please keep up your strength. So they waited until late afternoon and the two of them ate. The man got up to go with his concubine and his servant. When his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Look, night is coming. Please spend the night. See, the day is almost over. Spend the night here. Enjoy yourself. Then you can get up early tomorrow for your journey and go home. But the man was unwilling to spend the night. He got up, departed and arrived opposite Jebus, that is Jerusalem. The man had his two saddled donkeys and his concubine with him. When they were near Jebus and the day was almost gone, the servant said to his master, Please, why not let us stop at this Jebusite city and spend the night here? But his master replied to him, We will not stop at a foreign city where there are no Israelites. Let's move on to Gibeah. Come on, he said, let's try to reach one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or Ramah. So they continued on their journey and the sun set as they neared Gibeah in Benjamin. They stopped to go in and spend the night in Gibeah. The Levite went in and sat down in the city square, but no one took them into their home to spend the night. In the evening an old man came in from his work in the field. He was from the hill country of Ephraim but was residing in Gibeah, and the men of that place were Benjaminites. 
When he looked up and saw the traveller in the city square, the old man asked, Where are you going and where do you come from? He answered them, We're travelling from Bethlehem and Judah to the remote hill country of Ephraim where I am from. I went to Bethlehem and Judah and now I am going to the house of the Lord. No one has taken me into his home, although we have both straw and feed for our donkeys, and bread and wine for me, your female servant and the young man with your servant. There is nothing we lack. Peace to you, said the old man. I'll take care of everything you need, only don't spend the night in the square. So he brought him to his house and fed the donkeys. Then they washed their feet and ate and drank. While they were enjoying themselves, all of a sudden perverted men of the city surrounded the house and beat on the door. They said to the old man who was the owner of the house, Bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. The owner of the house went out and said to them, No, don't do this evil, my brothers. After all, this man has come into my house. Don't do this horrible thing. Here, let me bring out my virgin daughter and the man's concubine now. Use them and do whatever you want to them, but don't do this horrible thing to this man. But the men would not listen to him, so the man seized his concubine and took her outside to them. They raped her and abused her all night until morning. At daybreak they let her go. Early that morning the woman made her way back, and as it was getting light she collapsed at the doorway of the man's house where her master was. When her master got up in the morning, opened the doors of the house and went out to leave on his journey, there was the woman, his concubine, collapsed near the doorway of the house with her hands in the threshold. Get up, he told her, let's go. But there was no response. So the man put her on his donkey and set out for home. When he entered his house, he picked up a knife, took hold of his concubine, cut her into twelve places, limb by limb, and sent her throughout the territory of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, Nothing like this has ever happened or been since the day the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt to this day. Think it over, discuss it, and speak up. All the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead came out, and the community assembled as one body before the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people and of all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of God's people, 400,000 armed foot soldiers. The Benjamites heard that the Israelites had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites asked, Tell us, how did this outrage occur? The Levite, the husband of the murdered woman, answered, I went to Gilbeah and Benjamin with my concubine to spend the night. Citizens of Gibeah ganged up on me and surrounded the house at night. They intended to kill me, but they raped my concubine and she died. Then I took my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout Israel's territory, because they committed a horrible shame in Israel. Look, all of you are Israelites. Give your judgment and verdict here and now. Then all the people stood united and said, None of us will go to his tent or return to his house. Now this is what we will do with Gibeah. We will go against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every one hundred from all the tribes of Israel, and one hundred out of every one thousand, and one thousand out of every ten thousand, to get provisions for the people when they go to Gibeah, and Benjamin to punish them for all the horror they did in Israel. So all the men of Israel gathered and united against the city, then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this outrage that has occurred among you? Hand over the perverted men in Gibeah, so we can put them to death and eradicate evil from Israel. But the Benjamites would not obey their fellow Israelites. Instead, the Benjamites gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go out and fight against the Israelites. On that day, the Benjamites rallied 26,000 armed men from their cities, 
Besides 700 choice men rallied by the inhabitants of Gibeah, there were 700 choice men who were left-handed amongst all those people. All could sling a stone at a hare and would not miss. The Israelites, apart from Benjamin, rallied 400,000 armed men, every one an experienced warrior. They set out, went to Bethel and inquired of God. The Israelites asked, Who is to go out first to fight for us against the Benjaminites? And the Lord answered, Judah will be first. In the morning the Israelites set out and camped near Gibeah. The men of Israel went out to fight against Benjamin and took their battle positions against Gibeah. The Benjaminites came out of Gibeah and slaughtered 22,000 men of Israel on the field that day. But the Israelite army rallied and again took their battle positions in the same place where they positioned themselves on the first day. They went up, wept before the Lord until evening and inquired of him, Should we fight against our brothers the Benjaminites again? And the Lord answered, Fight against them. On the second day the Israelites advanced against the Benjaminites. That same day the Benjaminites came out from Gibeah to meet them and slaughtered an additional 18,000 Israelites in the field. All were armed men. The whole Israelite army went to Bethel where they wept and sat before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. Then the Israelites inquired of the Lord. In those days the Ark of the Covenant of God was there and Phinehas son of Eliezer son of Aaron was serving before it. The Israelites asked, Should we again fight against our brothers the Benjaminites or should we stop? The Lord answered, Fight because I will hand them over to you tomorrow. So Israel set up an ambush around Gibeah. On the third day the Israelites fought against the Benjaminites and took their battle positions against Gibeah as before. Then the Benjaminites came out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to attack the people as before, killing about 30 men of Israel on the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah through the open country. The Benjaminites said, We are defeating them as before. But the Israelites said, Let's flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel got up from their places and took their battle positions at Baal Tamar, while the Israelites in ambush charged out of their places west of Giba. Then 10,000 choice men from all Israel made a frontal assault against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce, but the Benjaminites did not know that disaster was about to strike them. The Lord defeated Benjamin in the presence of Israel, and on that day the Israelites slaughtered 25,100 men of Benjamin. All were armed men. Then the Benjaminites realised that they had been defeated. And we end day 87. So we move into day 88 as we continue through a couple of chapters of Judges and then we go into Ruth, the book of Ruth. Judges 20, begin at the verse 36. The men of Israel had retreated before Benjamin because they were confident in the ambush they had set against Gibeah. The men in ambush had rushed, rushed quickly against Gibeah. They advanced and put the whole city to the sword. The men of Israel had a prearranged signal with the men in ambush. When they sent up a great cloud of smoke from the city, the men of Israel would return to the battle. When Benjamin had begun to strike them down, killing about 30 men of Israel, they said, They're defeated before us, just as they were in the first battle. But when the column of smoke began to go up from the city, Benjamin looked behind them and the whole city was going up in smoke. Then the men of Israel returned, and the men of Benjamin were terrified when they realised that disaster had struck them. They retreated before the men of Israel toward the wilderness, but the battle overtook them, and those who came out of the city slaughtered those between them. They surrounded the Benjaminites, pursued them, and easily overtook them near Gibeah toward the east. 
There were 18,000 men who died from Benjamin. All were warriors. Then Benjamin turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon, and Israel killed 5,000 men on the highways. They overtook them at Gidom and struck 2,000 more dead. All the Benjaminites who died that day were 25,000 armed men. All were warriors. But 600 men escaped into the wilderness to the rock of Rimon and stayed there four months. The men of Israel turned back against the other Benjaminites and killed them with their swords. The entire city, the animals and everything that remained. They also burned down all the cities that remained. The men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah. None of us will give his daughter to a Benjaminite in marriage. So the people went to Bethel and sat there before God until evening. They wept loudly and bitterly and cried out, Why, Lord God of Israel, has it occurred that one tribe is missing in Israel today? The next day the people got up early, built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. The Israelites asked, Who of all the tribes of Israel didn't come to the Lord with the assembly? For a great oath had been taken that anyone who had not come to the Lord at Mizpah would certainly be put to death. But the Israelites had compassion on their brothers, the Benjaminites, and said, Today a tribe has been cut off from Israel. What should we do about wives for the survivors? We've sworn to the Lord not to give them any of our daughters as wives. They asked, Which city among the tribes of Israel didn't come to the Lord at Mizpah? It turned out that no one from Jabesh Gilead had come to the camp and the assembly, for when the people were counted, no one was there from the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead. The congregation sent 12,000 brave warriors there and commanded them, Go and kill the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the sword, including women and children. This is what you should do. Completely destroy every male, as well as every female who has slept with a man. They found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not had sexual relations with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The whole congregation sent a message of peace to the Benjaminites who were at the Rock of Rimon. Benjamin returned at that time and Israel gave them the woman they had kept alive from Jabesh Gilead. But there were not enough for them. The people had compassion on Benjamin because the Lord had made this gap in the tribes of Israel. The elders of the congregation said, What should we do about wives for those who are left since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? They said, there must be heirs for the survivors of Benjamin so that a tribe of Israel will not be wiped out. But we can't give them our daughters as wife, for the Israels had swore, Israelites had sworn, anyone who gives a wife to a Benjaminite is cursed. They also said, look, there's an annual festival to the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, the south of Lebanon. Then they commanded the Benjaminites, go and hide in the vineyards. Watch, and when you see the young woman of Shiloh come out to perform the dances, each of you leave the vineyards and catch a wife for yourself from the young woman of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. When their fathers or brothers come to us and protest, we will tell them, Show favour to them, since we did not get enough wives for each of them in the battle. You didn't actually give the woman to them, so you are not guilty of breaking your oath. The Benjaminites did this and took the number of women they needed from the dancers they caught. They went back to their own inheritance, rebuilt their cities and lived in them. At that time, each of the Israelites returned from there to his own tribe and family. Each returned from there to his own inheritance. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever he wanted. Then we go back into Judges 3.31. After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, became judge, he delivered Israel by striking down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. 
The Israelites did again what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold him into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his forces was Sisera, who lived in Hashoroth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them 20 years. Then we move into the book of Ruth beginning at chapter 1 verse 1. During the time of the judges there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons to live in the land of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Shilon. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the land of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband Elimelech died and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Shilon also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to leave the land of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's needs by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and travelled along the road leading to the land of Judah. She said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show faithful love to you, as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord enable each of you to find security in the house of your new husband. She kissed them, and they wept loudly. No, they said to her, We will, we will go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to bear any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters, my life is much too bitter for you to share, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her God. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Do not persuade me to leave you or to go back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me, and even more, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped trying to persuade her. The two of them travelled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I left full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has pronounced judgment on me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi came back from the land of Moab with her daughter-in-law Ruth, the Moabites. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. There we end, there we end, there we end, day and day. Day 89 as we continue on through Ruth. Beginning at Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Boaz. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. Ruth the Moabites asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone who allows me to? Naomi answered her, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. 
She happened to be in the portion of land belonging to Boaz, who is from Elimelech's family. Later, when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they replied. Boaz asked his servants who was in charge of the harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The servant answered, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. She asked, Will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has remained from early morning until now, except that she had rested a little in the shelter. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field, and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my young woman. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She bowed with her face to the ground and said to him, Why are you so kind to notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me, how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth, and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, you have been so kind to me, for you have comforted and encouraged your slave, although I am not like one of your female servants. At mealtime Boaz told her, Come out over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she sat beside the harvesters and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, Be sure to let her gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into the city where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Then she brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Then her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you gather barley today and where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man and the men she had worked with and said, The name of the man I work with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, This man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. Ruth the Moabites said, He also told me, Stay with my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law Ruth, My daughter, it is good for you to work with his young woman, so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's young woman and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find security for you, so that you will be taken care of? Now isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his young woman? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. They, then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had instructed her. After Boaz ate, drank and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley. Then she went in secretly, uncovered his feet and lay down. 
At midnight Boaz was startled, turned over and there lying at his feet was a woman. So he asked, Who are you? I am Ruth, your slave, she replied. Spread your cloak over me, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning if he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, and she went into the city. She went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, How did it go, my daughter? Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, He gave me these six measures of barley because he said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Wait, my daughter, she said, until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by. Boaz called him by name and said, Come over here and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the city's elders and said, Sit here, and they sat down. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you, buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do so. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know. Because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it, and I am the next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabites, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. The Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself, or it will ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption, because I can't redeem it. At an earlier period in Israel, a man removed his sandal and gave it to the other party in order to make any matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption or the exchange of property. This was the method of legally binding a transaction in Israel. So the Redeemer removed his sandal and said to Boaz, Buy back the property yourself. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belonged to Elimelech, Shilion and Machlon. I will also acquire Ruth the Moabites, Malon's widow, as my wife, to perpetuate the deceased man's name of his property, so that his name will not disappear among his relatives or from the gate of his home. You are my witnesses today. The elders and all the people who were at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is entering your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you be powerful in Ephrath and famous in Bethlehem. May your house become like the house of Perez, the son Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he was intimate with her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name be famous in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. 
Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap and took care of him. The neighbour woman said, A son has been born to Naomi and they name him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. We go into Judges chapter 4. Deborah, a woman who was a prophet and the wife of Laphedoth, was judging Israel at that time. It was her custom to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her for judgment. She summoned Barak, son of Abeboam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, deploy the troops on Mount Tabor, and send, and send the ten thousand men from the Daphthalites and Zebulonites. Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's forces, his chariots and his army at the Wadi Kishon, to fight against you, and I will hand you over him over to you. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will go with you, she said, but you will receive no honour on the road you are about to take, because the Lord will sell Sisera into a woman's hand. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. Ten thousand men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenite had moved away from the Kenites, the sons of Hohab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zanazim, which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Sisera that Barak, son of Abinaboam, had gone up Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the people who were with him from Hashoroth of the nations to the Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Move on, for this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera, all his charioteers and all his army into confusion with the sword before Barak. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Hashoroth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. There we end day 89. So we're on to day 90 as we continue through uh, the book of Judges, going through chapters 5 and 6. And saying that, we start at chapter 4, verse 17. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was peace between Jabing, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord, come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered with him with a rug. He said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him again. Then he said to her, Stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, Is there a man in here? Say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, a bear's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. 
On that day, Deb- Deborah and Barak, son of Abir Moam, sang, When the leaders lead in Israel, when the people volunteer praises the Lord. Listen, kings, pay attention, princes. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you came from Seir, when you marched from the fields of Edom, the earth trembled, the heavens poured rain, the clouds poured water. The mountains melted before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the main ways were deserted because travellers kept the side roads. Villages were deserted, they were deserted in Israel until I, Deborah, I arose a mother in Israel. Israel chose new gods, then war was in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the leaders of Israel, with the volunteers of the people. Praise the Lord. You who ride on white donkeys, who sit on saddle blankets, and who travel on the road, give praise. Let them tell the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous deeds of his warriors in Israel, with the voices of the singers at the watering places. Then the Lord's people went down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and take hold of your captive, son of Abinaboam. The survivors came down to the nobles. The Lord's people came down to me with the warriors. Those with their roots in Amalek came from Ephraim. Benjamin came with your people after you. The leaders came down from Achir, and all those who carry a martial staff came from Zebulun. The princes of Ishkar were with Deborah. Ishkar with, was with Barak. They set out at his heels in the valley. There was great searching of heart among the clans of Reuben. Why do you sit among the sheepfolds, listening to the playing of pipes for the flocks? There was great searching of heart among the clans of Reuben. Gilead remained beyond the Jordan. Dan, why do you, did you linger at the ships? Asher remained at the seashore and stayed in his harbours. Zebulun was a people risking their lives, Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. Kings came and fought, then the kings of Canaan fought at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo, but they took no spoil of silver. The stars fought from the heavens, the stars fought with Sisera from their courses. The river Kishon swept them away, the ancient river, the river Kishon. March on, my soul and strength. The horse's hooves then hammered, the galloping, galloping of his stallions. Curse Meroz, says the angels of the Lord. Bitterly curse her inhabitants, for they did not come out to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. Jael is most blessed of woman, the wife of Heber the Canaanite. She is also most blessed among tent-dwelling women. He asked for water, she gave him milk. She brought him curdled milk in a majestic bowl. She reached for a tent peg, her right hand for a workman's mallet. Then she hammered Sisera. She crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. He collapsed, he fell, he lay down at her feet. He collapsed, he fell at her feet. Where he collapsed, there he fell, dead. Sisera's mother looked through the window. She peered through the lattice, crying out, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't I hear the hoofbeats of his horses? Her wisest princesses answered her. She even answers herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? A girl or two for each warrior, the spoil of coloured garments for Sisera the spoil of my embroidered garment for two or for my neck. Lord, may all your enemies perish as Sisera did, but may those who love him be like the rising of the sun in its strength. And the land was peaceful for forty years. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord handed them over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. 
because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites and the eastern peoples came and attacked them. They encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number and they entered the land to waste it. So Israel became poverty stricken because of Midian and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. When the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them. He said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in. But you did not obey me. The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak tree that was at Orpha, which belongs to Joash the Abersite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, Hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Then he said to him, If I have found favour in your sight, give me a sign that you are speaking with me. Please do not leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from a half bushel of flour. He placed the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the God said to him, Take the meat with the unleavened bread. Put it on this stone and pour the broth in it. And he did so. The angel of the Lord extended the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire came up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon realised that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Don't be afraid, for you will not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Yahweh Shalom. It is an oprah of the Aborazites until today. On that very night the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and a second bull seven years old. Then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build a well, build a well constructed altar to the Lord your God on the top of this rock. Take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his male servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it in the daytime, he did it at night. When the men of the city got up in the morning, they found Baal's altar torn down, the Asherah pole beside it cut down, and the second bull offered up on the altar that had been built. They said to each other, Who did this? 
After they made a thorough investigation, they said, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son. He must die because he tore down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead Baal's case for him? Would you save him? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead his own case, because someone tore down his altar. That day Gideon's father called him Jeroboam, because, saying, Let Baal plead his case with him, because he tore down his altar. All the Midianites, Amalekites, and Odomites gathered together, crossed over the Jordan, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and the Aborazites rallied behind him. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh who rallied behind him. He also sent messengers throughout Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, who also came to meet him. Then Gideon said to God, If you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you said, I will put a fleece of wool here on the threshing floor. If dew is only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, I will know that you will deliver Israel by my strength, as you said. And that is what happened. When he got up early in the morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung dew out of it, filling a bowl with water. Gideon then said to God, Don't be angry with me. Let me speak one more time. Please allow me to make one more test with the fleece. Let it remain dry and the dew be all over the ground. That night God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and dew was all over the ground. And there we end day 90. Day 91, as we continue through the story of Judges, starting at Judges 7. Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and everyone who was with him got up early and camped beside the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them, below the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many people for me to hand the Midianites over to you, or else Israel might brag, I did it myself. Now announce in the presence of the people, Whoever is fearing and trembling might turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the people turned back, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many people. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. If I say to you, This one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about anyone, This one cannot go with you, he cannot go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Separate everyone who laps water with his tongue like a dog, do the same with anyone who kneels to drink. The number of those who lapped their hands to their mouths was three hundred men, and all the rest of the people knelt to drink with the water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the three hundred men who lapped and hand the Midianites over to you, but everyone else is to go home. So Gideon sent all the Israelites to their tents, but kept the three hundred who took the people's provisions and their trumpets. The camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That night the Lord said to him, Get up and go into the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go to the camp, go with Purah your servant. Listen to what they say, and then you will be strengthened to go to the camp. So he went with Purah his servant to the outpost of the troops who were in the camp. Now the Midianites... Amalekites and all the Odomites had settled down in the valley like a swarm of locusts, and their camels were as innumerable as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon arrived, there was a man telling his friend about a dream. He said, Listen, I had a dream. 
A loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, struck a tent and it fell. The loaf turned the tent upside down so that it collapsed. His friend answered, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has handed the entire Midianite camp over to him. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to Israel camp and said, Get up, for the Lord has handed the Midianite camp over to you. Then he divided three hundred men into three companies and gave each of the men a trumpet in one hand and an empty pitcher with a torch inside it in the other. Watch me, he said, and do the same. When I come to the outpost of the camp, do as I do. When I and everyone with me blow our trumpets, you are also to blow your trumpets all around the camp. Then you will say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Gideon and the one hundred men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch after the sentries had been stationed. They blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers. They held their torches in their left hands, their trumpets in their right hands, and shouted, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Each Israelite took his position around the camp, and the entire Midianite army fled and cried out as they ran. When Gideon's men blew their three hundred trumpets, the Lord set the swords of each man in the army against each other. They fled to Beth Shittah in the direction of Zerorah, as far as the border of Abel Meloha, near Taba. Then the men of Israel were called from Naphtali, Asher and Manasseh, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim with this message. Come down to intercept the Midianites and take control of the watercourses ahead of them, as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they took control of the watercourses as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two princes of Midian. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb, while they were pursuing the Midianites. They brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gibeon across the border, the Jordan. The men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us? not calling us when you went to fight against the Midianites, and they argued with him violently. So he said to them, What have I done now compared to you? Is not the gleaning of Ephraim better than the vantage of Abiezer? God handed over to you Oreb and Zeb, the two princes of Midian. What was I able to do compared to you? When he said this, their anger against him subsided. Gideon and the three hundred men came to the Jordan and crossed it. They were exhausted but still in pursuit. He said to the men of Succoth, Please give some loaves of bread to the people who are following me, because they are exhausted, for I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmuah, the kings of Midian. But the princes of Succoth asked, Are Zeba and Zuma now in your hands that we should give you bread to your army? Gideon replied, Very well. When the Lord has handed Zeba and Zalmua over to me, I will trample your flesh on thorns and briars from the wilderness. He went from there to Penuel and asked the same thing from them. The men of Penuel answered just as the men of Succoth had answered. He also told the men of Penuel, When I return in peace I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmua were on Karkor, and with them was their army of about 15,000 men, who were all those left with the entire army of the Kudamites. Those who had been killed were 120,000 warriors. Gideon travelled on the caravan route east of Nobah and Jogobah and attacked their army while the army was unsuspecting. Ziba and Zalmoa fled and he pursued them. He captured these two kings of Midian and routed the entire army. 
Gideon, son of Joash, returned from the battle by the ascent of Herars. He captured a youth from the men of Succoth and interrogated him. The youth wrote down for him the names of the seventy-seven princes and elders of Succoth. Then he went to the men of Succoth and said, Here are Ziba and Zalmoa. You taunted me about them, saying, Are Ziba and Zalmoa now in your power that we should give bread to your exhausted men? So he took the elders of the city, as well as some thorns and briars from the wilderness, and he disciplined the men of Succoth with them. He also tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. He asked Zaba and Zalmoa, What kind of men did you kill at war? They were like you, they said. Each resembled the son of a king. So he said, They were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if he had let them live, I would not kill you. Then he said to Jethera, his firstborn, Get up and kill them. The youth did not draw his sword because he was afraid, for he was still a youth. Zeboah and Zalmoa said, Get up and kill us yourself, for a man is judged by his strength. So Gideon got up, killed Zebah and Zalmoa, and took the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you as well as your sons and your grandsons, for you delivered us from the power of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Then he said to them, Let me make a request of you. Everyone give me an earring from his plunder. Now the enemy had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. They said, We agree to give them. So they spread out a mantle, and everyone threw an earring from his plunder on it. The weight of the gold earrings he requested was about 43 pounds of gold, in addition to the crescent ornaments and ear pendants, the purple garments and the kings of Midian, and the chains on the necks of their camels. Gideon made an ephod from all this, and put it on Orpah, his hometown. Then all Israel prostituted themselves with it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his household. So Midian was subdued before the Israelites, and there were no longer a threat. The land was peaceful forty years during the days of Gideon. Jeroboam, that is Gideon, son of Joash, went back to live at his house. Gideon had seventy sons, his own offspring, since he had many wives. His concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he named him Abimelech. Then Gideon, son of Joash, died at a ripe old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Oprah of the Abrazites. When Gideon died, the Israelites turned and prostituted themselves with the Baals and made Baal Berith their god. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the power of the enemies around them. They did not show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, for all the good he had done for Israel. Abimelech, son of Jeroboam, went to his mother's brothers at Shechem and spoke to them and to all his maternal grandfather's clan, saying, Please speak in the presence of the lords of Shechem. It is better for you that seventy men, all the sons of Jeroboam, rule over you, or that one man rule over you. Remember that I am your own flesh and blood. His mother's relatives spoke all these words about him in the presence of all the lords of Shechem, and they were favourable to Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. So they gave him seventy pieces of silver from the temple of Balbereth. Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men with his money, and they followed him. He went to his father's house in Orpah and killed his seventy brothers, the sons of Jeroboam, on top of a large stone. But Jotham, the long, youngest son of Jeroboam, survived because he hid himself. 
Then all the lords of Shechem and of Beth Milu gathered together and proceeded to make Abimelech king at the oak of the pillar in Shechem. There we end day 91 and the third portion of the Bible in a year. It means we're a quarter of the way through. Um, hopefully you've been enjoying it as we've been going through. We are now ended week 13. And so if you have any questions, let me know if you would like to get in touch to ask anything. If you would like to read more about each section and each book as we go through. There are relevant and various um, books and commentaries and things. And so if you need some information about those, let me know.